Coming to you from Silver Spring, Maryland, welcome to Inverse, a Bible-based conversation on life principles, contemporary issues, and thought-provoking perspectives. Now here's your host, Justin Kim, with Inverse. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Inverse, a Bible study show for young adults and those who are young at heart. My name is Justin Kim, host of this podcast and video, and in the studio we have Sebastian and Israel and Kelly. Hello. Hey. Hello. Hey. And we have all of you guys. We want to encourage you to go to inversebible.org, get our Bible study guides on the topic of Leviticus. You can also get the app on your Android and your Apple platforms if you search for Sabbath School and get the app that's blue icon created by Advent Tech. And you can download the Inverse Bible study guides there as well. Let's go to Leviticus, Leviticus chapter 4. We're looking at all sorts of things in the book of Leviticus. We went through recipes, we went <laughs> through dead animals, yep. we went through intercessors. We, there's, just, there's a lot that it's going, a lot of fronts that it's touching. And we're going to go to Leviticus chapter 4. Israel, can you pray for us before we read scripture? Sure. Gracious Father in heaven, thank you for your word. Thank you for every book in the Bible that teaches us and points us to the gift of your son. And as we study Jesus and as we study his ministry for us in this book, the book of Leviticus, we pray that you would open our eyes to be able to see him clearly. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. 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 Thanks. And we're looking at the first five chapters. And I don't know if you guys have been following along. You can go to hopetv.org slash inverse and follow along with us on the past episodes. But there are these five offerings, these five, you know, all the five. And you take them all and you squish them and becomes this nice, like very... Um, strong rope. Strong rope. I was thinking of something more sophisticated and strong, but strong is the word. <laughs> it is strong. Strong rope. Uh, but then you take each fiber out, and these are the five, five um, offerings that we have. So we covered um, three of them. Uh, Sebastian, can you just in brief from what you remember, uh, kind of mm -hmm. touch on those three? And we're going to go to the fourth one today. Sure. Um, so, from my uh, memory, we had uh, chapter one was the burnt offering, mm -hmm. right? The total devotion. Going all out. And then chapter two uh, is the meal offering or grain offering, right? And so you're dealing with giving to God. Giving. Mm -hmm. And um, chapter three it was the fellowship offering or the peace offering, depending Hanging on the out. translation. <laughs> we're getting together, okay. we're connecting. This is, um, yeah. <laughs> and so now we're we're going into sort of like the sin offering. Sin offering, yeah. So depending on your translations, the word for sin offering, um, it's, it gets complex because depending on the translation, some of these things have different names. Mm -hmm. yep. um, and other words for sin offering, uh, for this one, it's just sin offering. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I take that back. So let's go to <laughs> Leviticus chapter 4. And Callie, can you read verse 27 through 31? Chapter 4, 27, verse 27 through 31. Yes. If any one of the common people sins unintentionally by doing something against any of the commandments of the Lord in anything which ought not to be done and is guilty, or if his sin which he has committed comes to his knowledge, then he shall bring as his offering a kid of the goats, a female without blemish, for his sin which he has committed. And he shall lay his hand on the head of the sin offering, and kill the sin offering at the place of the burnt offering. Then the priest shall take some of its blood with his finger, put it on the, put it on the horns of the altar of burnt offering, and pour all the remaining blood at the base of the altar. He shall remove all its fat, as fat is removed from the sacrifice of the peace offering, 
and the priest shall burn it on the altar for a sweet aroma to the Lord. So the priest shall make atonement for him, and it shall be forgiven him. Yeah. So just um, from that, those verses that we read, what are some things that we can pull out? And there's a lot of aspects here where there's really no order or rhyme or reason. We can just kind of find observations and, and talk about that, right? And mm -hmm. spend some time in the text. Uh, what do you see in chapter 4 about this sin offering? Well, what's, really, what's really cool is um, in verse 31 where it talks about, He shall remove all its fat as fat is removed from the sacrifice of the peace offering. So it's kind of like that weird illusion of like, oh, we're, we're removing the fat similar to this other peace offering. So mm -hmm. there's almost a sort of blending and connection between them. So it's like you unintentionally sinned and there is a forgiveness component and we're going to cleanse that unintentional sin and we're going to sort of build back in this fellowship component, mm -hmm. right? So it's almost like removing the sin also restores fellowship mm -hmm. at the same token. So it's really interesting how those are kind of loosely connected and mentioned mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. there in chapter 4. There is a fat component. We see that in the book of Leviticus and there I think it will come back to it in, in, in a later uh, lesson, but fat is also, just, just to mention it parenthetically, not something to be eaten by God's people. Ever, yeah. Uh, blood and fat, they are reserved for, for God. Mm -hmm. And so there may be, maybe be people who follow the Levitical dietary laws and not eating pig and shrimp and donkey and, you know, wolf. <laughs> Uh, but they will eat some of the clean animals like uh, cow and sheep and giraffe. By the way, giraffe is clean. I just like to mention that. Fun fact. People oh, are, what? I Thank you. Where do you eat the neck? You're like, you will eat the whole thing. Uh, and then so when you eat that, you're, <laughs> the blood and the lesson. fat, the blood and the fat should be taken out. You include the fat and the blood in it. It's the same thing as eating a unclean animal. It's, it's mm -hmm. on the same category. I, I just found that to be pretty interesting. Uh, interesting twist of events there. Uh, any other observations that you see? I, I uh, you can. Yeah, verses 27 and 27. 28, just mm -hmm. kind of the, the context in which this sin offering should be made mm -hmm. is when somebody sins unintentionally and also if his sin which he has committed comes to his knowledge. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like, it's kind of in the moment of like, oh, I didn't mean to do that, but also you're just like living your life and you're like, wait, mm -hmm. <laughs> that thing happened last week mm -hmm. and I, I forgot. Mm -hmm. And so just, um, it, it's not, I just kind of, it's interesting that it's not just Oh, if you sin, do these things. It's This is the kind of, of sin that the parameters are for this offering. Yeah, I think that's the operative. I mean, you hit the nail. This is this is the one thing that makes this one different than the others. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, and so that's another thing we pause and, and spend some time here. There are, if you don't know about it, it's still a sin. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, the, the, that, that, that was a... Uh, mm -hmm. that, that, yeah, I mean, isn't that kind of like, <laughs> what? Like... Uh, well, are we only responsible for the stuff that we know about? How about all the stuff that we don't know about? And I think the responsibility changes when the knowledge, like Callie mentioned, yep. you didn't know about it, yep. but now you know, and you take ownership, and then you bring an offering, right? Yep. right? Yep. But in, in the legal sense, ignorance of the law is not licensed to break the law. Yes. So yeah. I didn't see the speed limit doesn't mean that yeah, you're that not going to take it. Right. doesn't work. I because tried it otherwise times. that would mean that <laughs> sin and or the law is subjective, mm -hmm. right? It's like, oh, I didn't know, therefore it wasn't a sin. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, no, you can, yeah, you can still be, you can still have this, this guilt before the Lord. You can still have this, this sin that is happening even mm -hmm. if you don't know about it. Mm -hmm. um, and I think, you know, the Sebastian's distinction is important because it's, 
like you can still grow in your knowledge and the ownership of that sin is different mm -hmm. than the sin not being a sin. Mm -hmm. yep. um, so yep. I, think, I think that's important. To I, I, if I can maybe wax a little eloquent, I just like Do the it. fact that in verse 27 <laughs> that there is a sin that you don't know about it shows there's evidence that sin is there's an ontological component of sin. There is a mm -hmm. being component to sin that it's just a, not a matter of, you know what, I made Sebastian mad. I'm sorry, it's not a relational thing only, mm -hmm. that there is, even though I didn't mean to do that against God and God is very forgiving to that, but the fact that I sinned anyway, there is a objective being quality to sin that God still has to uh, rectify and, and solve in this universe mm -hmm. kind yeah. of component. And is it, is it okay if I jump to a practical Please. point too? Okay, great. So but ontology uh, to practical, I <laughs> mean, right. this is the full spectrum of, of philosophy. This is inverse. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think it, it's also really important uh, practical point to remember there's no like statute of limitations for like, well, mm. I did that 20 years ago. Yeah. It's not a big deal. It's like, if it comes to your remembrance, it is a big deal. Yeah. And it doesn't say like, oh, if it happened within the last 24 hours, 48 hours, two weeks, there is no time range given. Mm -hmm. um, but if it comes back to your remembrance, and there have been, I remember once that I, um, I I'll, well, I'll tell the whole story, it's fine. Ah. So. <laughs> Spill the tea. Kelly right. sinned, do you sin? <laughs> yes, I do sin, Israel. I know. You don't think that. Yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> They'll be nice to me just because we're on air right now. <laughs> so, <laughs> so when when I was in high school, uh, very long story short, I'm terrified of skiing and I crashed while skiing. And I wasn't really hurt, but it looked like I was hurt. But I was like, if I act like I'm hurt, then I won't have to ski anymore. So I acted like I was hurt so I could get out of skiing. And so like I lied. Deception. Yeah, I lied to a bunch of my friends and their parents and I was like, oh yeah, my leg really hurts. I really need, and so. Yeah, so a couple years passed, and then I was like, man, I feel kind of bad that I lied to all these people, and they took care of me when like, I wasn't actually hurt. Mm. And so I contacted all of them, and I was mm. like, hey, it was actually, I was just really scared of skiing, and I lied, I'm very sorry. And everyone's oh. like, it's kind of weird that you're writing to us right now, or reaching <laughs> out, but it's Whoa. no problem. All good. <laughs> and so, but in that situation, I remember, I wasn't in Leviticus, to be honest, but I do remember <laughs> yeah, battling with the enough. Lord it works. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. being like, is this really a big deal, Jesus? It was like four years ago. Mm -hmm. They don't even remember. Yes. But it was about me and Jesus. And because even I was like, I know they don't care, mm. but it, it wasn't about them. Mm -hmm. um, they were involved in it because they were involved in who I sinned against. Mm -hmm. um, but it was what Jesus asked me to do. Mm -hmm. This is... Mm -hmm. Going along with what Kelly was saying, yeah. I think what what this text points out is the fact that sin is something that primarily is committed against God. Mm -hmm. Now, we I think in our current context, we tend to think about sin as something I commit against others or I commit against myself. Mm -hmm. And really the person that is missing in, in that equation typically is God. You know, like the funny thing is like as right now, literally as you're telling me your story, I was thinking about like when I was a little boy, I went and I stole. Do you need to talk to them still? I need to go. This is like when I was seven now. <laughs> right? No statue limitations. Yeah. On There's no, well, yeah. You can just look into the camera and confess <laughs> everyone out there. First of all, the racist comment. <laughs> first of all, the racist comment was directed toward a different race there. <laughs> but, but, I, but yeah, but I, I mean, yeah, like I, I, you know, as I'm kind of thinking about this, I'm thinking, yeah, no, I sinned against this guy who, by the way, is dead. 
Mm. I mean, you know, the, this guy has it. So it's senor, not senor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Actually, Justin, he, he was, I think he was Korean, to be honest. Um, <laughs> so, um, you know, in, in, in my mind, it's easy to think, like, I've committed a sin against this guy, yeah. right? Right. This sir, this sir. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Or, or I've committed it or, or there are sins that don't involve other people. They're just, you know, choices I make for myself. Right. But here, what the Bible, I think what Leviticus teaches us is actually primarily the person that we offend when we commit sin is not even ourselves mm -hmm. or the other person, but it is actually God. Right. And because it directly affects God, I see here the beautiful thing about it is that the individual was to bring the 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 uh, the lamb and place their hands upon the head, transferring their sins mm -hmm. to the person that they are, are, you know, to this object that ultimately represents not only the person that we're offending, but also the person that is able to also forgive us, which is, you know, the Lamb Jesus Christ mm -hmm. himself. And I think that as we're studying, what impacts me is just that idea, the idea that we think just because I think the way I think, just because I feel the way I feel, just because I understand the world the way I understand it does not change the fact whether it's intentional or un unintentional. I don't get to define what sin is. I don't get to define who sin hurts. Mm -hmm. That's already given to us through scripture. And I, and I would modify that even further, right, from who it's primarily against to also the nature of the act itself. Intention is irrelevant. And that's a very interesting thing that a lot of people hide under. It's like if I say something offensive or I did something offensive, well, that wasn't my intention. You know, I was just That's actually fine. trying to do this. And it's like, well, unintentional sin, it's when it comes sin. to your knowledge, whether your brother brought it to your attention and was like, hey, when you said this, when you did X, Y, and Z, well, that wasn't my intention. That doesn't mean you didn't wrong. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean there's not a need to restore fellowship mm -hmm. and a peace offering that needs to be brought. And so the, the, the nature of I primarily did this against God also comes back to the act itself to help me to realize like my intentions do not justify, yeah. right? The wrong that has been done, right? Yeah. The damage that has been caused. Yeah, that's mind blowing, dude. Cause yeah, actually this, this brings me actually to my relationship with my wife, right? Mm. Like some, this past week actually. All these sins are coming out. Yeah, all my sins are coming out. Yeah. <laughs> Seven years yeah. old, yeah. marriage. Yeah, no, this past week, like I'm coming into, the, into my room yeah. and our you know, 25 million year old cat He's by the door, right? And when I opened the door, I hit him. Mm. And I mean, I, I genuinely felt bad and said, I'm like, oh man, I, I wish I didn't do that. Right. But then my wife is like, aren't you gonna apologize to the cat, right? <laughs> She's like, aren't you gonna apologize to the cat? And I'm, when she said that, I immediately got, I, I, was, I was mad about that. I'm like, right. well, am I gonna apologize to the cat? Like, you care more about the cat than you care about me, <laughs> right? And the then, cat almost yeah. tripped me. <laughs> and so, and so, I remember, like, she was like, "You're not going to apologize to the cat." I said, "No." She said, "Do you? Don't you feel like apologizing to the cat?" And I said, "I said no." And then I kept going about my day, right? Right. And then uh, I was coming out, and she said, "Just because," and this is what she said to me: "Just because it was not intentional, mm -hmm. just because it was an accident, doesn't mean that you shouldn't apologize." Right. And I was oh, like, no. yeah, so I, I didn't, I got to apologize to the cat when I get home. But, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I walked away thinking like, I don't care what you say, but, yeah. but, but what you're saying is true. What she's saying is true. The fact that something is unintentional does not mean that 
you're we are now like, yeah. Well, you we're, don't have responsibility. And that's yeah. something I'm constantly telling my kids when there's conflict. And it's like, you know, kids are running to the door or running upstairs right at the same time. And then it's like, well, you're bigger. So you, you're running and you're swinging of your arm, boom, right? And then your younger sibling hits the wall and it's like, oh, I wasn't trying to hit you. But she's still crying on the ground, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like, well, it was unintentional. Well, intention doesn't mean it doesn't hurt. <laughs> it doesn't mean you don't need to take responsibility. It's still your fault, yeah. right? You're still responsible, though you were not intentional in what you were trying to do. So this discussion is giving me a lot of insight into the anatomy of guilt what mm -hmm. guilt is. Guilt is not necessarily just a feeling. It's not necessarily only just between how I feel uh, or between me and another person, but really in, in the objectivity of God that we are always before. So let me ask you, if, some, if someone is listening to this and they're like, oh man, does that mean I have to sit down and, and think of, you know, all the cats, all the animals, all, when I was seven <laughs> year old, all the I mean, how, how do we actually operationalize this? Mm -hmm. Or do we just live on our day? And it's like, Lord, you know, it's your job. And if you want me to uh, confess, then you make all these things happen. And just, just go my dilly-dally way. Or there, and then there's others who are just, just confounded with guilt and they're, they're, they're just burdened with it and they can't move on through the day. Yeah. Uh, I, really, at the, from what I, I guess what I'm getting is how do we intersect with guilt on a daily level? Yeah. yeah. That's a, a super good question. And depending on, honestly, depending on the person I was talking, I'm talking to, mm -hmm. I would actually frame it a bit differently. Okay. Because I think every person kind of has a default where they don't feel guilt enough or they feel guilt too much. Mm. Um, so there are certain people who need to hear like 1 John 3.20 of even if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Like mm -hmm. just because you feel so bad about yourself doesn't mean God does. Your feelings are no bearing of reality. Mm -hmm. And there's other right. people that need to be like, well, you need to go to Jesus and ask him if there's things that you need to rectify and things mm. you need to repent of and then listen to the Holy Spirit and then obey. <laughs> I, I love that. I love that. Some people need more, more, more grace oriented mm -hmm. and some people a little bit more um, law oriented. Yeah not grace-oriented or law-oriented salvation, no, but that yeah. experience, just because their experience up to that, that point has been unbalanced. Yeah, exactly. I, I love that. Oh, I good. love that. So it's, it's and, and God customizes that experience. Absolutely. Yes, mm -hmm. okay. Yeah. 100%. What I see from the text here is, this was a daily offering. Mm. Mm -hmm. You know, this is something that happened daily. And I, I uh, growing up as, uh, when I first gave my life to Christ, for me, I was under the, that, you know, the impression like, man, I got to think of every single sin I've ever yes. committed. Yes. And I got to, if I don't, and I would be worried about maybe I lost one, maybe I forgot one. And it would be a very, mm. it, I remember it would be a very big stressor for me. Yes. And I'd Especially go, those yeah. from a confessionary uh, culture or background, mm -hmm. they, they're used to going to a priest or know of that, that, right. that practice. Yeah. They're used to unloading. And then when they have like, what is Jesus? Then they have to, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. So, yeah. And, yeah, then, and then yeah. forgive me for myself. Yeah. I mean, it was always like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and you think to yourself, all right, I can't, I gotta, I can't get off my knees until I have peace. Yep. Right. And so I would go into the woods and I would like try to think and try to you know, um, force myself to come up, even making up, you know, sins or whatever, just in <laughs> case, which is a sin in and of itself, right? <laughs> right? So all of Whoa. these different things, that's kind of where, where uh, you know, I came from. Mm -hmm. Now, I think that, I think that the beauty of this, um, of this passage is, number one, it's talking about something that is done daily. Mm. 
there's a daily sacrifice that is being made. But that daily sacrifice is being made within the context of life that is happening. Mm -hmm. Meaning that the fact that you have forgotten means that even though you were doing this daily at some point, it didn't register until you know years later or days later or mm -hmm. whatever. And so I think for me, what I found in my Christian experience is I pray to God for any sins that I know that, that I've committed, right? But I'm also open to the fact that God might bring stuff like today, you know, when I was seven years old, Mr. Lee, I stole the bubble tape, right, uh, bubble gum. And was now- Was it Mr. Lee, really? It was Mr. Lee, okay. yeah. Make <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> sure you're not yeah. another sin. <laughs> yeah, Mr. Lee's store, right? So, so, um, so I think that, that there's an element of, uh, of daily searching mm. our hearts and also confidence at the very same time that God is more interested even in my own salvation than I am. Mm. That's right. And understanding both of those things kind of help us, has helped me in my mm -hmm. journey. Mm -hmm. I, I appreciate the, well, I'm gonna, I, what comes to mind is Hebrews chapter four. Um, you guys don't have to go there, but I'm gonna go there and then I'm gonna go there, we'll you can go there you. too. Uh, Hebrews <laughs> chapter four, verse uh, 12. Uh, For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints of marrow, and as a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. We've read this verse many times before. Yeah. Uh, you may be very familiar with it, you guys out there. Um, but spending time in the Word is not only learning, you know, who begat who and what verse is, is recapitulated all throughout the New Testament and who wrote whatever, but sometimes you sit and you listen, you read a verse and you're like, and you, you have to stop and stop the learning process. And, and, and we've talked about this many times, come to the foot of the Lord Jesus. Jesus, what are, you, what are you trying to teach me in this? Where are you in this or whatnot? And then he's like, remember when you were seven years old and you know, and like this <laughs> mystery. And, like, and that was either in the back recesses of your mind or, mm -hmm. you know, I'll be reading something about, you know, how David talked to, to Michael, his wife. And I'm like, man, I remember how I talked to my wife like, you know, three and a half years ago on March 13th and like, oh man, that wasn't very nice. So these things do, the Holy Spirit searches mm -hmm. and is able to discern. And I think that's the, the important part is that we're not, even that searching process is not us doing it, 100%. right? Sometimes we do that synthetically, like you say, and that's also a weird, uh, <laughs> crazy process. But David says, search my heart. Look, I, can't even, I can't even do that myself. Correct. I need for you to help me and then discern what is real, what's not, what may be half, what may be, you know, what, whatever all that parsing all that out mm -hmm. is spent in real time searching of the heart. I know we say that in cliche, but right. spelling it out mm -hmm. it, 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 based on the text yeah. is so, is an, imp an important habit for us to develop. It's, it's, the thing that gets me excited about what you're saying is, is how that, request of David, um, or he says in Psalm 19, right, cleanse me of secret faults, mm. right? So you, you have the idea and sense in his own life that there's a certain blindness that he has of himself. Mm -hmm. And that sometimes we are very perceptive about other people than we are about ourselves. So I can see your faults, I can see your faults, I can clearly see your weaknesses, but it's hard for me to see mine. It's hard for me to really see myself the way that God sees me and to really pick it out. And those are unintentional things happening. And so I think the, the praying for the searching and dealing with the daily association with guilt, because the word is when it comes to your knowledge, it lets you know that being a lifelong pursuit of the word of God, of understanding God, of mm. knowing God and truth is about even self-discovery and understanding, which allows me to bring a deeper 
restitution and resolve to my relationship to Christ. Because now it's like as I grow in my understanding and as I draw closer to Jesus, I see myself as more sinful at this and one time, but yet I also find myself more reconciled, yeah. more completely holistically receiving his forgiveness. Well, can I ask you that reconciled and more complete? Um, there may be some people who listen to this and they're mm -hmm. like, man, that just sounds like a lot of work, man. Like, that just, <laughs> like, that sounds, you guys are melancholic. Like, you're sitting, you're sitting in front of the Bible. I'm like, oh, search me, search me. And, and, and through that, like, it's got to remember all the past. And like, that just sounds like a lot of work. Mm. What's the end goal of all this? Mm. Is it just because we just want to get, into, get rid of our guilt? Because that could also be a very selfish exercise, right? Mm. I'm just feeling this way. Well, just make me feel better. But what's the what's a what's a what's a larger picture? If you can zoom out, what is God trying to? What what point is He getting us to? I think to me it's reconciliation. Um, you know, if 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 we want a relationship with God, mm. right, we have to treat Him as we ourselves would want to be treated in a relationship. Mm. And the way we typically tend to treat God is, we don't treat Him as though we're in a relationship with Him. Mm. It's like, look. You shouldn't, like, kind of like me and, and Judy, like you should understand. You knew it was a mistake. You knew that this was not intentional. Mm. Just go ahead and deal with it, you know? Mark it off, Take, clean, clean it off the sheet, erase that sin, you know? Come on, bro, right? Mm -hmm. And so not understanding the fact that, well, do you know that that unintentional sin costs the, the life of Jesus? Do you understand that? Mm -hmm. And so I love Psalm 139 because it, it deals with Jesus within the context or God within the context of relationship. Mm -hmm. He says like, this is who I understand you to be God. Like, you know when I get up, you know when I sit down, you know what I'm thinking before I'm thinking, there's no way I can escape. Like everywhere I turn, you're there. Mm -hmm. And at the conclusion of that whole passage, he says, search me, O God, mm -hmm. right? Try me, know my thoughts, see if there's any wicked way in me. And then he says, and then you lead me in the way everlasting, yeah. meaning that God is not the only one who brings back our sins for us to remember, but he also outlines for us a process of reconciliation in the relationship with him and with others. Mm -hmm. You know, Especially. Justin, I was going to say to complement what Israel's saying on the relational component is that I think one of the most painful things for me in being married is recognizing how deeply you can love a person or persons in your kids. Um, and yet still have weaknesses that hurt them. Mm. And it, I can't just stop on command or demand. And it's like the moment I find out that something hurts my wife or hurts my son, I can't just stop tomorrow. Like I would like to, and I'm gonna try to, but then I'm gonna be back in this conversation again. And I think the goal of going through all that searching that I do with my wife or I do with my kids is because I want a deep loving relationship with this individual. And I wanna be able to live with them without hurting them. And ultimately, that's what we should be seeking for with God. Mm. I want to be able to live with God without offending Him, without offending my Maker, without offending my King, without offending my Savior. That's the goal. And if there's things in me that are offending you, I need you to show me those things. I need you to tell me so that I can come and show you I want relationship. Mm. And to me, if, if you make that the focus, that's the hard part about all relationships. And I think ultimately that's the end. Our discussion here is really talking about the anatomy of guilt and shame and fear and how God removes all of it 
and what he's promising us is freedom from these things in the basis of his relationship with him. And not freedom to do more bad stuff, but freedom to be righteous, freedom to be holy, freedom to do more good stuff. That's the end goal here that he wants with all of us. That's my prayer. I want that freedom. And that's what he's promised us through Jesus. Hopefully that's your prayer out there. Thanks for joining our discussion. We're going to continue our conversation about Leviticus as we not talk about unintentional, but now intentional sins next week. So we'll see you here on Inverse. You've been listening to Inverse, a Bible-based conversation with Callie Williams, Israel Ramos, Jonathan Walter, Sebastian Braxton, Siku Dako, and your host, Justin Kim. Inverse is brought to you by the Hope Channel, television that changes lives. For this and more inspiring episodes, visit inverse.hopetv.org. Find us on social media, hashtag Inverse Bible. Until next time, this is inverse.